Lord, let that knowledge draw us more and more to marvel and wonder at who you are and to worship you. Father, calm my spirit this morning. Calm our hearts. Help us to hear your word. Help me to speak your truth and to honor you. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so I really do feel like I'm about to give you a uh, shotgun approach to worship. There's so many amazing things you can say about worship. As you look at what Scripture says about what it means to worship God, about who we are called to be, about what He has done for us, about what He's called us into, about this life that He's opened up before us. And so... I thank you for all of those that have been praying for me to have some focus this week. And so you can imagine as this goes on how much broader it would have been if you hadn't been praying. But I want to start not with worship and not with gospel, but with a really helpful word that I learned from Wormtongue in Tolkien's book, The Two Towers, And that word is laugh spell, which is an old English word that means bad news. Because as I was thinking last night about worship, I was reminded of a poem that I read in high school by Stephen Crane. It's a short little poem. And it says this, A man said to the universe, Sir, I exist. However, replied the universe, The fact has not created in me a sense of obligation. And it was a reminder that there are competing stories in our society. There's competing stories in our lives. There's a story that says once upon a time there was nothing. And nothing exploded and became everything and spread out over all the universe, and little bits of stardust accumulated and became this planet, and became us, and here we are. And one day, all of the nothing that exploded and became something is going to stop and wind down, and cease, and there will be no life. And so, those little tiny bits of stardust that are us, crawling about on this rock, or walking upright in some cases, have a choice to assert ourselves and assert meaning and assert purpose, and to do what we find to do and die and eventually be forgotten and dissolve and have our atoms go back into the circle of life until the circle stops. And that's the end. Enjoy your story. And there is another story. So that that story, that story is true, laugh spell. That is bad news. 
There is nothing for us but what we make, and that too will dissolve and be gone. But there is another story. That as I prayed, before the beginning of time, there was a fellowship of love of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, who out of the overflow of that love chose to create, chose to call out of nothing everything, chose to create stars that would be perceived as beautiful, chose to create a planet and populate it in a place in the galaxy where we would be able to see those stars and perceive their beauty. Chose to create a planet that was in such a place in relation to its own star that it could support life, who could receive the warmth of that star, even on a day like today, or a day like Tuesday or Wednesday, when it feels like there is no warmth, but can receive the warmth and light of that star and live and rejoice. And not only receive that, not only see the wonder that is around us and perceive it as wonder and beauty, not only sit sit by a river or creek and watch the water trickle by in quietness and stillness on a warm day and perceive the beauty of that moment. But people who can be people, who can have cognitive and emotional relationships with one another, who can receive the love of a father or a mother or a child or a friend. We have been created to receive such amazing wonder, to perceive it and to rejoice in it. And even more than that, when this people that was created not only to love one another, not only to receive one another, not only to see the beauty of what God had created, but people who were created to enter in to that eternal fellowship and love, people who were created to receive the fullness of God, when they rebelled and turned their back on that Creator, He had already purposed to redeem that rebellion through the person of his son so that we could enter in despite our brokenness, enter into his love, enter into that fullness, enter into that fellowship and to receive joy and to receive peace and to receive rest and an end to the striving to overcome our stardustness. and to be rejoicing 
loving sons and daughters of our Heavenly Father. And so that's another story. And that's a story that does not end in entropy. It does not end in nothingness. It does not end in heat death. But it continues for eternity made alive by the power and love of God. And that is where our worship begins. True worship begins in the gospel. And it is our response of love, trust, and obedience to God that's worked out in all of life. That our worship is not just our proclamation of praise. It's not just what we say to God about how much we love him and how great and how awesome he is but it is a full life lived as a people of God in obedience, in trust, and in love to him. And it is what we're doing right now as you listen to his word, as I speak, hopefully, his word, as we read and hear what he has said as we sing together, but it's also what we do when we walk out the door. It's what we do when we drive home. It's what we do when we interact with other drivers and drive carefully so as not to cause them stress. It's what we do in all of life. That is worship. So there's going to be a lot of overlap in in the outline of this message because it's just coming to me as we go. So, Worship begins in the gospel. Our worship begins in what God has done. I've already said that. It's what, when he created us, it's our response to that. But more importantly, and and much more amazingly, worship begins with Jesus Christ. I love to sing to God. And I love to talk about what God has done. And I love to read his word. But in all of that, there's distraction and there's brokenness. And there's moments where I'm thinking, ah, this song is so powerful. And what I really mean by that is, man, this song matches my voice and lung capacity perfectly. (laughs) Man, I sound good when I sing this, at least in my own head. And and that's anointed worship. (laughs) I'm reading God's word, and, and what I'm really doing is looking at the words and the ink on the page and parsing the sounds, and I'm not hearing his voice because I'm thinking about what I'm gonna be what I'm gonna be doing at work today. And so on, in all of our worship, in all of our worship, there is a mixture of our fallenness. There is a mixture of our death. We don't ever offer perfect worship to God, but Jesus Christ, he is the true worshiper. 
He is the one who came and offered all, every moment, every second, every calorie of his energy to the glory of his Father. He is the one who offered a perfect sacrifice that was not mingled with his own self-ambition, that was not mingled with his own desire to make a name for himself. (coughs) I also have a cold. Jesus Christ offered perfect worship and he has entered into his Father's presence and he has opened the veil and he has made a way for us and he stands before God as our high priest (coughs) offering the worship that we cannot worship. Offering the perfection, offering the sacrifices of praise, offering the prayers Hold on. (coughs) Jesus is the true worshiper. And our worship is bound up in him because we are united with him through the Holy Spirit. And we are brought at this instant, at every instant, even in our sin. We are brought before God in perfect worship by his Son. And from his Father's presence, he pours out the Holy Spirit who purifies us and cleanses us and who, when we're praying and we don't know what to pray, is praying beneath our prayers. Our worship begins and is completed in Jesus Christ. But he is also purifying us and preparing us to offer worship of our own that will one day be unadulterated and perfect. And that is what we respond to and that is what we live out of. That is our worship. So worship begins in the gospel. And there's a lot more that can be said about that, but I'm going to stop there. So part of this Recalibrate series that we're doing is is we've wanted to put together guiding principles for our values. To talk about at Trinity Community Church, we value the gospel. We value mission. We value community. We value worship. So what are the ways that we're particularly going to live this out? And what are the principles that drive that? And so the first principle for our worship after the fact that it begins in the gospel, that it begins in what we cannot do but in what God has done for us, what he has revealed to us, is that we want our worship to be focused on all of God. Our worship should be Trinitarian. We don't just sing songs to Jesus. We don't just pray to the Father or to the Spirit but we want to respond to all of who God is. To all of who he has revealed himself to be. So our worship is Trinitarian. We worship Father, Son, and Spirit. Not just, not just a monad, 
not just one sort of divine unit that is under, if differentiated, but the God who has revealed himself as a father, as a son, as a spirit who gives life. Our worship is Trinitarian. And our worship encompasses all of God's self-revelation. So we don't just focus in our worship and in our understanding of God on holiness. God is holy. God is set apart. God is utterly pure. God cannot be polluted. But that is not all of who God is. God is good. God is love. God is mercy. God is the God who pursues justice, who sees the weak and the oppressed and lifts them up. The God who humbles princes. The God who raises up kingdoms. The God who binds up the brokenhearted. So in our worship, we want to respond and to understand all of who God is. And so some specific practices that we want to follow in worshiping all of God. We want to seek God in word and in spirit. That is why, despite the example of this particular sermon, we want our messages to be focused on expounding particular passages of God's word. Because this is God's word to us. If you have ever wanted to know what it feels like to hear the voice of God, read the Bible. Hear his voice. Be attentive to what he says, to how he's revealing himself. And so do that. Every day. You don't have to follow a specific plan. You don't have to start at Genesis and go all the way through to Revelation. Although at some point in your life, you should do that. Um, But every day, be listening to God's written word, not just what I might tell you is God's word, not just what Tim Keller tells you is God's word, not just what Mike says is God's word, not just what Stephen Furtick says is God's word, but read the word yourself. And if you can't read, meet together with somebody else who can and read it together or listen to an audio Bible. Whatever it is, be hearing God's word, not just what men say it is. We seek God in word and in spirit because you can read the words Like I was saying earlier, I can parse all the sounds and the symbols and not listen and not hear. Jesus proclaimed to the Pharisees that uh, they knew the word, but they didn't listen to it, that they didn't hear it. They came to it, but they, they didn't come to him who had life. 
unless God's Spirit is at work within us to reveal to us what is here, we will not get it. So seek God not only in word but in spirit. When you come to the word, pray, ask God to reveal himself to you. Ask God to open your mind, to open your spirit, to open your heart to receive and to obey. So we seek God in word and spirit. We sing truth. So one of the guiding principles for when Cody or Betsy or Carissa or Michael or whoever is choosing music for a Sunday morning, one of the guiding principles, and I haven't talked about all this right now, so I'm sorry if I'm springing this on somebody. Um, One of the guiding principles is that we should sing things that are true about God. That we don't want to sing something that's meaningless, and we don't want to sing something that's false. But when we come together to sing to God, we want to sing the truth and to testify to the Lord what we believe about him, but also to testify to one another what we believe about him. So we're going to sing truth. We're going to sing songs that speak truly about our God. And we want to wonder Because God has revealed himself in such deep and amazing ways and in such broad and amazing ways that there is something. When I looked out last night on fresh snow sparkling in the light from the street lamp, there is something in recognizing that beauty and turning to God in praise. And especially when I think that because of Jesus' blood, I've been washed whiter than even that fresh snow. So wonder and be curious about this world that God has put you in. Be curious about what God is doing in the people around you. Be curious about the kind of person that God has made you to be. Learn and study things like science and psychology and engineering, and and the way that things can be constructed together to to build a strong structure, the way that colors can be mixed to create beauty. Wonder, whatever that looks like for you. Read good books, good books that uh, fire your imagination and your passion for God. Read books that will lift up God's attributes, Stuff like Knowing God by J.I. Packer or Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer or Delighting in the Trinity and Rejoicing in Christ by Michael Reeves and so many others. Read stuff or listen to good podcasts that will do those same things that will exalt and glorify God and highlight facets and understandings of God that you haven't grasped on your own. That is something that we want to encourage as a body is seeking out the fullness of God's truth. There's a lot of other things one can do to uh, worship all of God, but we're going to stop there. So not only do we worship all of God, we worship in all of life. That again, it's not just what we're doing right now. It's not just what we sang on Sunday morning. But our worship is a response of obedience and love to God in every breath.
We were created and we were redeemed so that we might receive God's love and reflect that back. That we might rejoice in him, that we might love him, that we might worship and serve him. That is why we exist. That is why Trinity Community Church is here. That is the goal of our eternal life. All of our life is to be worshipped to God. And so what are some things that that means? What are some practices? One of the most basic parts of that is telling the good news. That as we go out and we tell what God has done, He is magnified. He is glorified. He is shown as precious in our lives. He is shown to others to be displayed. One of the things, one of the reasons that I wanted to look at Psalm 22 this morning which we haven't looked at at all, is that it's a psalm that begins in lament and pain and abandonment. And that's the first 20 verses of this psalm. But then it turns in verse 22, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. In verse 25, from you comes my praise in the great congregation. In verse 27, all the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. In verse 30, posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. David in this psalm and Jesus who prayed this psalm on the cross delighted to tell what God had done, what God was doing. C.S. Lewis talks about how praise is the completion of enjoyment. You receive something, you enjoy it, but it's not really fulfilled until you get a chance to tell somebody how amazing that was. And we see that all the time. Those of us who have an Instagram account, all the time, people, you know, people don't enjoy their meal until they've got a picture of it. And they can tell everybody else how great that was. I mean, come up and talk to me sometime about watching P.J. Washington block shots in basketball games, and it's amazing. I would love to talk about that. (laughs) But I'm not going to right now. Tell the good news. One of the other things this does, not only does it, it magnify God just kind of absolutely in terms of telling this is who God is and what he's done, this is why he's amazing, but it reminds you as you hear your own voice talking about how God has delivered you, tell the good news. Tear down the idols, and there's a part of this that I forgot to write down because I always forget something. Tear down the idols and kill the sins. So those things that you have set up in your mind, those attitudes, those desires that you have invested your life in that are not God. Tear those down. Those thought patterns that say, I will never be happy until I achieve X in my career or until I receive the approval of this parent or that authority figure. 
or until my children love me the way I want them to love me or achieve X success in their career. Those things that we invest our life in that are not God, tear those down. Be aware of your own thought patterns. When you encounter a lying thought, take it captive to Christ. Put it to death. When you encounter sin, instead of dwelling in the guilt and the shame, turn it over to God and receive his forgiveness and abandon it. Tear down idols and kill the sins in your life to worship God in all your life. Do justice and love mercy. If you look at the first chapter of Isaiah or the 58th chapter of Isaiah, one of the things you see is that God's people were constantly coming to him, giving burnt offerings as he had commanded, singing praises as he had commanded. And God utterly abhors, abhors that worship, even though it was what he had commanded. He abhors it. Because at the same time that they're singing these praises and they're offering these burnt offerings, they're oppressing the poor. They're enslaving their brothers. They're perverting justice in their society. In James chapter 1, James tells us that true religion is to look after the widow and the orphan in their distress and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Tear down the idols, kill the sins, do justice, and love mercy. And so one of the things we're trying to do as a church is work together to find ways that we can do justice and love mercy that must be part of our worship. Work for God. Tomorrow morning, assuming I go into work tomorrow morning, which I may not do because of snow, I need to be at Northwestern University Library ordering books, not for Northwestern University Library, but for God. My work is in his name. When you go to your job, do a good job so that God is honored. If you're doing a job that is inherently dishonoring to God, get a new job. And as a church, we will try to support you while you look for a new job. But work not for man, not as eye pleasers, not just to advance yourself, not just to make money but work as service and worship to God every day. Work to support and to strengthen and to show love and honor to your coworkers. Work in a way that makes their life easier so that they're not constantly going home grumbling about what a lazy bum you are but are rejoicing because their day was easier than they expected because of the work that you did. Whatever it is, work for God. And abide in worship. 
So in this case, I'm thinking of, of particularly music, and I know that there are some for whom music doesn't connect, who don't like singing the way I do. But at the same time, that there is something about rhythm and melody that cements truth in our minds in a way that mere vocal repetition doesn't. One of the things we want to do as a church is to make this easier. And so Cody has put together a uh, Spotify list that you can find at Trinity Community Worship on Spotify, and we'll probably get it in some other places as well, of good songs. For one thing, it'll be a good way to learn new songs so that you don't come in Sunday morning and spend most of a song trying to figure out how it goes. But also, it can allow you to have this truth running through your mind throughout the day. Rewrite your earworms. If you've got a tune that constantly goes through your head and it's annoying, write some worship words for it. Make up your own earworms. Have that stuck in your head. Abide in worship. Another part of this is just meditating and memorizing God's word and having it going through your mind all the time. All of life. Worship is also all of us. God has redeemed us to be a people who worship him. What we do when we come here on Sunday morning is not 100 and, I don't know, 15 individuals who all happen to be in the same place at the same time, coincidentally singing the same words to God. God has called us to be one body, to be one people. And so our worship is not just about ourselves. My singing on Sunday morning is not just about me, but it's about us. And so we gather to worship. We gather on Sunday mornings to come together to engage God together, to testify to one another that we believe in one true God, that we need his salvation. We need, I need his forgiveness for my sins. You need his forgiveness for your sins. We all need that. We testify to one another that we rely on the body and blood of Jesus broken and shed for us. And sometimes we come together and we're weak and we're really beaten down by those sins that we need that forgiveness for. We're really broken down by the fact that even though we're trying to work for God throughout the week, our workplace is just death dealing. And we need to be together to know that even though I'm not seeing it right now, my brother next to me or my sister next to me or in front of me or in the back of the sanctuary is transfixed by the vision of Jesus. That he is worshiping perfectly for each one of us and that we worship together and lift one another up. So we gather to worship. 
not only on Sunday mornings, but also we're going to return to the practice of having some extended worship times outside of Sunday morning. On February 15th, which is a Friday night, we're going to gather here at 7 p.m. to uh, spend a couple of hours worshiping God for his majesty and his glory and focused on some of the transcendent attributes of God. So that's what that focus is, Cody. (laughs) I know you've been thinking about attributes anyway, so that should work. We also meet together to pray and to seek God and to acknowledge that we're dependent on him, that we cannot do these things by our, on our own strength. So there's some of us that gather most Sunday mornings at 8.30. Some of us gather all Sunday mornings at 8.30. Up in the prayer room tonight, there's prayer for God's work in the world. At uh, 6.30 p.m., we'll gather to pray for God's work in the nations. Most Monday mornings, not tomorrow because of impending snowmageddon. Most Monday mornings at 6 a.m., there's prayer in the prayer room upstairs. There's women's prayer groups that meet. There's prayer in community groups. If you really wish there was a prayer at a time that you can do that nobody else seems to come for or that nobody has already offered a prayer meeting at that time, talk to us and start a prayer meeting at that time. We come together to pray and acknowledge our dependence on God and worship in that way. Another thing is that we submit preferences so that our, all of us have different things we like to sing or we don't like to sing at all or we're really down with accordion music or whatever it is. We all have preferences. We submit those preferences for the greater good of the body. That if Cody never does songs that are based on Irish folk music, I don't grimace at him and curse him behind his back. But we also don't try to intentionally prioritize one specific musical or cultural style in our worship. We're going to do that. It's, it's instinctual, but we don't intentionally try to do it. So we're going to try for music that reflects the full range of the church and the full body. And so we're going to sing stuff that's 1,200 years old, like Be Thou My Vision. And we're going to sing stuff that was written last year. And we're going to sing stuff that's popular on the radio. And we're going to sing stuff that we've written ourselves that nobody's heard before. And we're going to submit our preferences in that as long as we're singing what is true to God. And on that note, if there's something that we're doing that you don't understand, I should have said this when I was talking about singing truth. If we're singing something, you don't understand how that's true and how that reflects truth about God. Talk to Cody, talk to me, talk to Mike, talk to Steve, JP. Ask us, what were you thinking with that song? Maybe I got caught up in the fact that it makes my voice sound good. Be patient with one another in that. Our worship should reflect all ages and all stages. 
So one of the things that I like here about Psalm 22 that I'm going to skip back into for just a second before I abandon it again is that it begins in such a deep place of lament. We do not always come to church happy. And we are called to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And so we want our worship to be able to reflect and to be accessible to people who are in every stage of life. Those who are sick, those who are beaten down. One of the amazing things that struck me in in Leviticus as I was thinking about worship is the range of offerings. That that God gives them, you know, there's, there's all these different kinds of offerings. But for each offering, you know, you can offer a bull, but if you can't afford a bull, you can offer a lamb. But if you can't afford a lamb, all the way down in some cases to grain. If all you've got is grain, you can bring grain and offer that. If you're beaten down and you're broken and all you have is just a little bare bit that you can offer to God, then he will receive that and we want to be sensitive to it in our worship and be open to all stages of life and all ages One of my favorite passages is in Psalm 8 where it talks about how God has ordained praise from the mouths of infants and babes to silence the accuser and the avenger. And so the worship that happens downstairs with the children is an amazing, powerful thing that God has ordained. And so do that at home as well. Worship together as a family parents and children. We want it to reflect all ages, children to people who are way older than me, all ages, all stages of life. And finally, in your worship, love one another. Each one of us is the image of God. Each one of us is a a child that God has died for, that he has chosen, that he has loved. And so to dishonor your brother whom God has loved, whom he has chosen, is to dishonor God. So love one another, be patient with one another, bear with one another. That is a part of worship. To receive those whom God has sent, whom God has called. So here at Trinity, we want our worship to begin in the gospel. We want our worship to reflect all of God. We want our worship to spread into all of life. And we want our worship to reflect the hearts of all of us as we are one people before God. So Cody, band, come back up. Let's sing praise to God. Let me pray for us. Father, you are so utterly, unimaginably, unimaginably magnificent and exalted. You are beautiful in your holiness and your perfection and your goodness. And yet, you love us. You hear our voices as we cry to you. You do not despise the affliction of the afflicted. You come to the weak and the lowly. 
You come to the rich and the full and you invite us into your presence to receive your goodness and to worship you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit now, that you would draw us into your presence and magnify your name and show us your great love and your unimaginable splendor. In Jesus' name, amen.